Let's pray this morning. Lord, we just thank you and we give you praise, Lord God, for the privilege, Lord God, the ability, O Lord, to be able to join together, Lord God, in your presence, to worship, to pray, and to praise you, to listen to your word, Lord God. We bless your name this morning. As we break bread together, Lord God, may it be powerful. May it inspire our souls. May it bring encouragement, Lord God. May it bring healing, O Lord, to people's hearts and to people's souls in the name of Jesus. Glorify yourself through this time, O Lord God. Use my voice, O Lord, to speak your word, O Lord, with boldness and with courage and with clarity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so today um, today we're going to be talking about, the title of the message is Knowing Christ in Community. Knowing Christ in Community. So I want to, I want to start by asking us all of a bit of a question that I want you to kind of begin to answer yourselves as we go through the scriptures today. And that question is, how important do we think our environment is? And what, if anything, can we do to influence it or change it? Okay? When we, when we plant, and I'm, I'm going to take this example... When we plant seed, and we could take the, the tomato seed because I like tomatoes. And when we plant tomato seeds, and I remember them too because my mom used to plant tomatoes in our little little city backyard. Um, and I used to love watching them grow. She used to plant the seeds. She used to get the right soil. First, she needed to buy the right soil. And she needed the right space for, you know, the, the crate the pot for them to grow in. So she would make sure the soil was good soil, that it was rich, that it had nutrients. And then when she put the seeds in, she had to make sure that she didn't put the seeds too deep or too, too, to the top because then the, it will just wash out the seed. Or if it's too deep, then the, then the plant can't come out properly, right? So all these things are important. And then after that, she has to tend to it every day. She'd go out, out every single day and tend to it and make sure the seed was right. She was watering it. The soil wasn't too dry, so forth. This is like a, a daily process, an everyday thing. And then as, a, as you start seeing the green come out, then you're still continuing. Just because you see it growing doesn't mean you stop, right? Continue to tend and to um, nurture it and grow it. So we can, just from watching the seed and watching nature around us, we can see that environment is important, even to human beings. Our environment can either help us grow and mature, or it can also poison us and kill us one way or the other, right? Um, There are some neighborhoods most of us would not want to live in. Why? Because it's too much crime. The percentage of people dying in certain neighborhoods is too high, right? Environment 
can is is an important aspect. And so now when it comes to knowing Christ and um being a community of believers this is a perfect environment for things to grow and mature. The community of believers of the body of Christ is part of that environment. So, and we can still grow and we could still mature irregardless of world events that are going on because we're a body. And I'm going to we're going to go through some scriptures and we're going to see how this is possible. Amen. So, I'm going to talk about three particular disciplines or practices that we can do on our everyday that would nurture that environment and help us foster our beliefs and also knowing Christ and in knowing Christ and do that simultaneously and together. Amen. So, let's go. We're going to go to the book of Acts for this. I'm going to go to the book. Some of you may already know where I'm going. The book of Acts. So keep in mind that the book of Acts, you know, this was right after uh, Jesus Christ was crucified. He was buried and then he resurrected. He came on the earth. This was after, after those events. And the church was still being persecuted. There's still persecution of the Christians. Um, the apostles still didn't have it easy. You know, th- there was still a lot of abuse going on. Uh, they were getting beaten. Um, anybody who believed in Christ, anybody who believed in this man that they killed, they were out to either beat them, jail them, something. Okay, and I want you to keep that in mind as we're reading the scriptures. The 11 disciples and the believers, however, even though they were being persecuted, continued to stay together and continue to meet up. They continued to pray. They continued to do a lot of things together. And the scripture we're about to read occurs on the day of Pentecost, where they met in the upper room. It was 120 people that met, and they were praying. And all of a sudden, everyone started speaking in tongues. It was such a loud commotion that it caused the neighborhood around them to come out and find out what was going on. And this is where we're about to read the next verse following, okay? So Acts chapter 2, verse 40 to 47. Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 40 to 47. And I'm reading. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, this is Peter talking to the multitude. Now all the multitude has gathered. And now he's, he's been talking, he's been preaching. And then verse 40 comes. Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who got, gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul 
and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Amen. Environment. What did the people surround themselves with? What practices did they do every day? And what proof do we have that the church was healthy? The three practices we're going to explore today are going to be doctrine. That's the first one. Second one is going to be fellowship and breaking of bread. I put those together. And the third one is going to be praying. And we're going to go to each, through each one. Amen. Before we go into each one, I want us to really look at that word steadfast in, in that verse. It says, they continued steadfastly. So even after the 3,000 were added, they still continued to do what they did steadfastly. And steadfastly means that they did it with, they were devout to it. They put their all into it. Okay. It was done with perseverance and consistency. They were, and I love this word, they were unremitting. Unremitting. And the way that I explain myself this, it sounds crazy, but this helped me. Has anybody ever been in an argument with somebody? Don't say no, because I know you're going to be lying to me. You're arguing, and you're upset, and you're going, like you're telling the person off, and you're going, you're going. The person says, just stop, lighten up, just let me talk. And you go, I'm not going to lighten up right now, because I need to tell you, right? Okay. That veracity to not lighten up is the same one that the disciples had when it came to these practices. Okay, I want us to keep that in mind. We have to have that same tenacity you use when you're upset. It's the same tenacity we need when it comes to these three practices. Amen? I knew you would get me. Okay. First one. Let's go into it. Doctrine. Doctrine. That word used to be really scary to me. Doctrine. I used to go, wow, that sounds dry and hard. Right? Doctrine. But... What I came to know about doctrine is, doctrine is so fundamental. If we do not understand what we believe in, what do we believe about baptism? What do we believe about speaking in tongues? What do we believe about um, holiness? What do we believe about righteousness? Just simple, you know, it seems very fundamental. What do we believe about salvation? What do we believe about um, the last days? You know, these things are very fundamental and they're very key for us all to be grounded. Okay, we have to be grounded. So doctrine is basically teaching. 
Um, and the scripture specifically says that it was the apostles' teaching. It says that it was the apostles' teaching. They, they, they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Or the way of saying it, they, they continue steadfastly in the apostles' teaching. Where do we find the apostles' teaching? Well, originally there were 12 apostles, or, well, originally, right? There, was 12, there were the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles, but one of them went rogue. That was Judas Iscariot. So Judas ended up committing suicide. There was 11. And in Acts chapter 1, they, they picked another um, devout man to take his place. Okay? And then they also considered Paul an apostle. Paul was also an apostle that day. They recognized him as such. By um, they all, they all made that conclusion that he was also an apostle, especially in the supernatural way that God revealed Himself to Paul, and we can all read that as well. Um, I think it's important, and you could see the criteria of being an apostle in Acts chapter one, verse twenty-one. Um, there's a little bit more to that, and it might raise some questions, but I don't want to really delve into that too much because it's not the center of what we are going to go into. But I'm going to read that real quick. The criteria, Acts chapter 1, verses 21 to 22, and verse 25. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, Beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So an apostle was one, okay, that was with them when Jesus was among them, came in and among them, and beginning from the baptism of John to the day that he uh, was um, crucified, resurrected, and so forth. That's the type of person they were looking for. Okay, this is their criteria for an apostle. Uh, verse 25, to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. Okay, so that was the criteria. So let's go back to our question. So where do we find the apostles' teaching or doctrine? Well, who wrote Matthew? Who wrote Luke? Who wrote Mark? Who wrote John? Who wrote First and Second Corinthians? Who wrote Philippians? Who wrote Romans, First and Second Peter? That's all the New Testament. All the New Testament was written by the apostles. That is the teachings that God gave them to pass on to us, and so it was written down. So for our purposes, this is the doctrine, the apostles' doctrine is scripture, is New Testament. Okay, um, if we go to, I'm going to read 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. I would also add the pastor that you, you you're go to at church. Their teachings or any other teacher or pastor that rightly divides the word of God and fortifies, that edifies you, that you can eat from, that fills your soul. Okay, that's doctrine. 
So what we're saying here is um, we want to be ferociously after it, okay? We have to be after it. It has to be a daily practice, something that we continue steadfastly. This will be something that will affect our environment. It will. And I'm going to show you as we continue how that's going to happen, okay? Uh, but let's take the Second Timothy 3.16 before I go further. And I want to say this about it because sometimes we may not like to be corrected. Scripture can be hard sometimes. I, man, last week we came across love your enemies and I started to sweat. Okay, because it's difficult. It's not easy. I, I, I sat there with that scripture and said to myself, have I forgiven people who have hurt me? Have I forgiven people who have offended me? And, and I allowed the scripture to dig deeper into my heart. And that's something that we need to, make, to, to do and allow for. I want us to have an allowance for God's word. Allow God to speak to us. Because 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. That means that Old Testament, New Testament, all of it has been given by God. Yes, they were written by people, but God inspired those people to write it. And so that, that is where we learn from and where we eat from. And it's not only for doctrine, but it's for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness. Let's give the word allowance in our life. Let it be something that is predominant in our lives so that um, we, can, we can live that life that God has called us to. Amen to live that life that God has called us to. Okay, I'm not done with doctrine. Steadfast doctrine. Now you thought you were going to get away without me telling you that you have to be steadfast in doctrine. How do we do that? The scripture says that the, um, they, all the people, all 3,120 of them, we started with 120, 3,000 were added, that's 3,120. All of them were devoted to these teachings. Um, and it's important that we learn the scripture correctly. This is key to learn the scripture correctly. Okay. On Wednesday night Bible study, I believe this is why pastor is going through this, how to read and study scripture. It's important to know how to do it properly because we can, uh, I like the word pastor used last week, cherry pick. We can cherry pick scriptures and let it, say what we want it to say. Um, and we've learned that we have our own biases in our mind through which we read scripture. And sometimes we are reading into it instead of the scripture reading to us, allowing it to read to us, yeah? So I encourage us to um, come to that if you want to be fed more um, or learn more about that. So the challenge that we have today that will keep us from being steadfast in, in doctrine, I believe this is a number one for most of us, and um, we think that it's busyness, right? We believe that we are so busy. But I'm going to challenge us this morning and say that it's not so much our busyness, but it is distraction. We are distracted. With, and I'm not saying all these things are bad, with all the different outlets and things that are always flashing at us 24-7, Okay, we have, I'm just gonna, this is only going to be a few. We have YouTube, Facebook, 
We have Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Apple TV, TikTok. We have, I don't think that's even everything because I don't know all of them. I know there's more out there. I don't know all of them, but these are just some of them. Your phone, that thing flashes all the time, just flashes and it calls our attention. What's up? Sending us these stories and videos and clips on a consistent basis. And I've, and I've done this too. I'm guilty of it. I'm not free of it. I'll, I'll see a video. I'm like, oh, that sounds nice. I start watching it. All of a sudden, I've now spent an hour of clicking different videos. And I said, where did my hour go? This is what happens. This is what is one of our problems is the distractions. Okay. So our, our biggest challenge in our today is to, in being devout, is learning how to master these tools rather than having them master us, okay? Because I don't think that they are evil, but I do think we need to know how to use them. Our phone, we can put our phone on to play and allow it to read the scriptures to us while we're cleaning the house, while we're attending to the baby, while we're washing clothes, while we're you know, just sitting down, closing our eyes, and we would take a little nap, and we just need to close our eyes and catch you know, some much needed R&R in our brain. We could just allow the scripture to play to us, or we can allow a preaching to put on last week's Sunday preaching message, or the week before, or a message maybe Pastor Steve preached that you wanna um, go over again. That's why we record them. We have them available because we believe that doctrine and being devout to it is important. Okay, and now this seems like something that's very small, but when we begin to change our minds and the way that we think, it will inform our heart and it informs our decisions. When it informs our decisions, our decisions is what creates our environment, right? Yes or no? Our decisions create our environment. So when we need to understand what decisions we need to take, whether big or small, these, the scripture, the word that we have taken in on a consistent and devout basis will help us make those wiser choices and the wiser decisions that will inevitably, without doing much, it will change your environment. And in doing so, you're also knowing Christ. You're beginning to know who Christ is. Amen? So um, before I leave doctrine, the one uh, warning I will give to everyone, to all of us, including myself, is that... Um, like I said earlier, scripture sometimes can be misused, it can be abused and read improperly and also taught improperly. So we have to be careful with false doctrine and false teachings. Okay, James 3.17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. If what you are listening to doesn't match this, then you could probably throw it out. 
I have been surprised at the amount of crazy things I have heard pastors teach um, where the members are eating the grass outside of the church. Where is that in scripture? Where is it? Where is that peaceable? Where is that full of mercy? Where is that good fruit? You see, we, we have to be mindful of what we read, what we listen to, stay away from conspiracy theories, stay away from false teachings and demonic wisdom. Any worldly wisdom is demonic wisdom because it will darken our minds and not allow us to understand scripture and what God is saying. It will cloud our thinking. And we don't want that. We want clarity in thought. Okay? So I want to, I'm just giving you, giving all of us that warning. So devout and unremitting to the teachings of Jesus, the Apostles' Doctrine. Amen. Next one we're going into. Fellowship and breaking of bread. Fellowship and breaking of bread. Now, the only reason I'm going to tell you this Greek word is because I like how it sounds. It's not for any other reason. I just like how it sounds. Okay, people, I love it. The word for fellowship here in the Greek is koinonia. Sounds fun. I just like it. Okay, I like it. Koinonia. Koinonia. It even sounds nice, cozy. Right? Koinonia. This is Greek word for fellowship. That is the word being used here in Acts chapter 2. It means community, communal, sticking together, being together, sharing together, having the same mind, same purpose. We have the same beliefs. We partake together based on our beliefs. As believers, and we did this, it just, it was coincidental. It wasn't on purpose, Sunday school. It was not on purpose. It was just coincidental. That we partake in the same Lord, the same baptism, the same teachings, one Father. We are one. We are one because we partake in the same Father, same salvation, same baptism that we were baptized with. We are one. We all constitute the body of Christ. We partake in the same worship. Today we worship together. Today we pray together. Okay, and that causes us all to be one. And don't underestimate that because there is power in numbers and in staying together. It means we have a relationship with one another. Yes, whether we like it or not, we are in relationship with one another. I take comfort in that because I can reach out to Mr. Hayford. I can reach out to Lanello if I wanted to. Pastor Lanello, I can reach out to them because we are partaking together in the body of Christ and I can ask him a question or I can lean on him for maybe advice. There is power in numbers. Psalms 133 verse 1 
Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So my first point under that, under fellowship, is being one. Being one. Romans 12, 6. 16, I mean. Romans 12, 16. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. I find it so interesting that every single time the scripture is talking about being one, there's a scripture right after it or before it that talks about not considering yourself higher than another, being wise. It tells you not to set your mind on high things like this one does. There's always that scripture, right? Not to be conceited, to consider one higher than another. There's always that scripture when it it refers to being one. They always go together. And there's a reason for that. Because in order for us to be one, nobody can consider themselves higher than the, than the next person. Right? We can't have that. We can't have these levels if we're one together, if we work together. Yes, we have different weaknesses. Yes, we have different strengths. But we can all play off of that together and make something very powerful. Amen. And that we have that in the body of Christ. We have that in the body of Christ. Philippians 2.2. 2, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. We all have one thing that is bigger than us in common, and that is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is possible to have different cultures and different backgrounds, and different languages, and be one. They fellowship back then. There was 3,120 of them. The 3,000 before they joined the 120, the 3,000 were from different countries. They had all come from different parts of the world. And when they came and they were starting to speak tongues, they heard their own language. That means they were all different backgrounds, but yet still they were able to fellowship together. This is a possibility to have that we can meld together um, Africans, Hispanics, um, uh, Asians. Um, I don't know, I'm sure I'm leaving out cultures here. So many different Caribbeans. We can all meld together be, and have the same mind same love, same everything because of Christ. Our sharing of the same teachings of the Lord brings us together. And sometimes we can be surprised that the same way we suffer, another brother or sister can have the same or similar struggle. The struggle is real, people. This church was being persecuted, and we may not have the same conflict that they did, but we still have conflict. We still have struggle, and we still go through things, and we need to be in touch with one another. And we don't have to be alone. In being one, we can also encourage one another. Ephesians 5.19, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Amen have fellowship with one another as we have fellowship with God. 
1 John 1, 3, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Our belief allows us to have this fellowship with each other. One of the tools that the enemy will try to separate us in, in the body of believers is by tricking us to isolate ourselves from one another. It is one of his tools. Thinking that no one understands what you're going through. Um, thinking that it, it, you're alone. Thinking that you're alone in your sadness or your problem or your whatever it is. Is, is not, it's not true. It's not true because you don't know what all of us are going through. And it cannot be possible where we could have a number of people coming together and we have either not had the same problem or about to go. It's not possible. We're all humans. Okay. And um, we should be able to share with one another um, and be able to get advice from one another and allow the love of God to reign in our fellowship. So let's focus on maintaining that unity among the believers. Amen. So let's go to the breaking of the bread. I find this interesting. The word doesn't say that they cut the bread. The word says that they broke the bread. You think that that is not significant at all, right? So remember who else was broken? What represents the bread in scripture? The body of Christ. The body of Christ um, was broken. And um, it has symbolism to it together, obviously. Whenever we come together and we're sharing the word of Christ, we are breaking bread together. We break bread. We don't cut it. We break it because the body of Christ was broken for us. Hallelujah. Um, and although we can share and talk about these things, um, we should aim to keep the word of Christ and the practice of it at the center of our fellowship and our conversation. So when we break bread together, if I call Minister Lily um, and chat with her, the center of our conversations uh, or, or the thing that we have in common, we should keep in focus is Christ. It is not to backbite. It is not to gossip. It is not to talk about. It is Christ. Um, and so that's why I'm mentioning it because I think it's important that as we break bread together, that's exactly what we are doing. The body, of, the body of Christ was broken for us so that we could have fellowship with one another. And of course, um, that also means, of course, I'm not saying, um, also saying in addition that we can also meet together, eat together, chat together, but always having that key thing in mind that the center um, that we have is Christ. And um, I'm going to throw this example in there with this, you know, um, during the pandemic, one of my sisters in Christ called me out of the blue. I wasn't even expecting the call. Um, and I thought it was really nice. She just call out of nowhere just to say hi and to check on how I was doing. Something so simple. But it ministered to me so much. And not only did she call and just say hi, but she said, you know what? She's like, before I go, let's just pray. And we just took a few minutes. It didn't, the conversation wasn't even long. The conversation would be 10 minutes in total. And we just took a few minutes and just prayed. We just prayed together. 
And after that phone call, I felt so uplifted, so encouraged, so blessed in my soul. And I was like, wow, I really needed that. So don't take it lightly. When you feel led to call a brother or sister, check up on them, pray for them, see how they're doing. These things are important. It's not just Pastor Steve and Pastor Jessica, Pastor Robert. Mr. It's, it's not just our duties. Um, it's something that is a fellowship, something we all should be doing. Amen. And I'm going to add, um, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I'm, I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there because I think that that's important for our minds um, just to rest on. So, the last one, prayer. Prayer. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Prayer both as an individual, for each other, and corporately are all practices we should cultivate and seek. And there's two important aspects of prayer that I want to point out. First one is pray always and in all situations. First Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. If there's a verse that you want to memorize that's really easy, it's First Thessalonians 5.17, and it simply says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Okay, this is going to be your scripture for those that have hard time memorizing. Pray without ceasing. So when you're in your room by yourself, oh, pray without ceasing, I pray, okay? This means that we teach our mind that God is accessible to us every single second. Whether you're um, in a tunnel, whether you're in a hole, in a cave, wherever you find yourselves in, okay, God is accessible to us. Prayer can be as quick and as simple as simply asking God to help you. Sometimes we can find ourselves in such a problem, in such a situation, we don't even know how to pray. But if your mouth can say, God help me, you are praying. If that's all you can say, then say it and pray it with boldness. God help me. Say it with faith and God, I know God is going to come through for you. God help me. We can pray whenever and however we are led. We can be at work and, and feel like we have no answers. Just take a pause, take a few minutes, ask God for wisdom. I know that he will lead you. Other thing I want to say about prayer is pray as God leads you. This means that sometimes we sent a prompting to pray about certain topics that we have in mind. Um, if he brings a topic to, to your mind, it means that you should pray about it. We can also use our worry and our anxieties as prayer points. Anytime you have a worry or, or a concern, that's a time to start praying. Okay, Use them as times of prayer. Pray for our nation. Pray for leaders. Pray for your families. Pray for your workplaces. Pray for your president, whether you like him or not. Pray. Pray for um, our current situation. Prayer changes things. Pray. There's so many things we should be praying about. Pray. Um, it will give us either a, a better perspective on the situation or it will change the situation. But either way, we will get an answer to our prayers. I once heard a woman give this testimony about praying. She had sent her son to school, normal day, normal. She went about her routine. 
She went to go pick him up from his bus stop, okay? And um, for some reason, before she was on her way to pick up her son, she felt a prompting to pray in the spirit. So she started to pray in the spirit. She had no idea what was going on. She started praying. And um, right when she got to the bus stop, she sees her son. Her son is crossing the street. All of a sudden, this crazy person is coming down the street, came out of nowhere in his car, and was about to hit her son with the car. She doesn't understand how it happened, but her son tripped. Her son tripped, and the trip lunged him forward, and the car completely missed him. Okay? The car completely missed him. He just lunged forward, and the car just kept speeding away. She always says that she thanks God that she prayed. She doesn't know what would have happened if she didn't. There are certain things that we will be prompted in certain moments where we'll be prompted by God the Holy Spirit to pray and we need to um, move, move with it. Go with it. Don't hesitate. Just go with it. Flow with God. Be free. Okay? Because you never know what is going on. Pray without ceasing. Um, the last thing I'm going to touch on that is speaking in tongues. This is so key, so key, so key, so key. Okay. Romans 8.26 Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Speaking in tongues taps us into the supernatural. It taps us into things that we know nothing about. We can ha- gain wisdom about something before it even happens because we're praying in the spirit. It is very key. Um, I would want to go into, um, you can read it on your own, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. This is the doctrine that we use for speaking in tongues Um, and you can read it it was given to us by God when Jesus left the earth um, after he was resurrected it is one of our gifts that should be exercised by all believers all believers there's no section exception there's all believers first Corinthians 14 1 to 4 pursue love desire spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Um, And I'm going to... He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So speaking in tongues also edifies you. It builds you up on the inside. It strengthens the inner man. It strengthens the inner being. You know, um, we went out to pray. And I felt so good on the inside. I, even though my body was exhausted, I felt real good on the inside. And I was just thanking God for those moments of prayer that we had. Um, and they were intense, but they were powerful. So pray. Pray in tongues. If you, if you don't have, if you haven't spoken in tongues yet, Start by desiring the gift. Start by read these scriptures that I just told you. Unfortunately, I don't have time because I'm running out. But read the scripture, desire, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, um, and 2 Corinthians 14, 1 through 4. Anything that talks about speaking in tongues, 
start studying it, ask Pastor Steve and myself questions about it. Um, if you desire the gift, we will pray for you and we'll believe with you that you will receive the gift of speaking in tongues. Finally, if you can't see how all these, these three things will not affect your environment and have you knowing Christ at the same time, I don't know what to tell you. Prayer changes things. Being together and being a family allows you to know that you have, you have, you're, you're uh, in something bigger than yourself. It's important. It allows you to know you're not alone, that you have others with you, going through things with you. If you need something, you can come to us. You know, you, you have that. Um, fellowshipping with one another. Doctrine, teaching alone informs decision, forms life. So many, so many different things. Knowing Christ is powerful. And it is the way that we defy odds and we can be powerful to change our environment, to change and foster our beliefs, to grow together, to mature so that we can, we can be the fruit, to be the people that um, God has called us to be. And I'm going to add this to it in, our, in the scripture that we read um, in Acts. So continuing dealing with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate together, God, um, praising God and having favor with all the people. You will have favor with other people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Not only that, but just those actions of being devout to that can cause others to get saved. Because everybody wants that. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be in fellowship. Everybody wants to be part of a family. Everybody wants, wants to, to um, know these things. And then they have salvation, which is the best gift of all. Amen? Amen. Let's close this morning. Let's follow Christ together. Let's grow together. Let's be the proof that the church, um, that the church is real, that Christians are real. Let's be that proof, Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you and we praise you for this word, Lord God. I pray that it blesses the hearers, Lord God, and I pray that it also gives us that bonds of peace, that it brings unity in the body, Lord God. I pray that any person that feels lonely, Lord God, today, anybody that feels outcasted, anybody that is carrying heavy burdens, that they have a family that they can come to. And this morning, I pray that they are ministered to and that peace comes to their home this morning in the name of Jesus. I pray each and every single person feel and experience the joy of being part of a, of a family. And I pray that we all continue to grow and mature and that we may multiply in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Over to you, Pastor Robert. Amen. What a powerful word. Wow, so much wisdom. I believe you have also been blessed. I mean, thank you so much, Pastor Jessica. Lord.